What's going on, family? My name is Jordan. I'm one of the pastors at Renaissance. So grateful you have tuned in with us for our online service. Before I get started in today's message, I want to pray for us. So God, our Father, I pray that uh, you would speak to us in these moments, wherever we are. I pray that you would allow us to focus and to pay attention and to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, y'all, so it's been about five months since I've seen a lot of you. And that's been a struggle for me personally because I am an extrovert. I love being around people. I get energy from being around people. A perfect week for me is being around people nonstop for like six days, and I probably just need like one day off. But it's also been a struggle for me, not just as an extrovert, but more seriously and spiritually as a pastor. I think it's been a struggle because I just don't know how you're doing in your faith. Uh, in addition to not being able to gather with each other and to be encouraged by each other and to receive God's graces um, that we have, whether that's worshiping together or hearing God's word together, we've also gotten hit by this double pandemic. As my boy Kenny Hart from The Gathering Harlems calls it, we got hit by COVID-1619. Now, with all the things going on against us, one of the things that, quite honestly, has been uh, bothering me and keeping me up a little bit at night is this concern I have in terms of how will uh, I find you when we return to, to meet each other? How will your faith be? When we come back together, whenever that point is, we can do that safely. Uh, is it something that you can say about yourself as we look back on this time that you had been standing firm? Now, one of the, the biggest dangers uh, in our walk with God is that we would drift away. Now, there are dangers in terms of us having some catastrophic event that really paralyzes us in our faith. But a much bigger danger and much, much more um, common is not something catastrophic that ruins your life. It's, it's rather that you just drift away. Now, if you've been to the beach at all this summer, if you uh, voyaged outside in, or in previous summers, if you've been to the beach, you know that if you hop in that ocean water, you don't have to do anything to drift. All you have to do is just lay there. Now, for some of you, you moved away completely, and I won't see you uh, probably for a number of years when you're visiting New York City for the weekend. For others of you, uh, when we come back safely, I'll see you again, uh, and I cannot wait for that day to happen, and we are one week closer to that, whenever that will be. But for others of you, you're, you're newer to Christianity and you're newer to Renaissance, and for you as well, I don't want you to drift away from whatever period that you're at right now. Uh, I don't want you to just have a flash in the pan spirituality that you were excited about Jesus for a couple of weeks and then it all went away. Now I keep using that word drift very intentionally because as one pastor put it, Satan is far more likely to dull your affections over a year than destroy your soul in a day. Let me say that again. Satan is far more likely to dull your affections over the course of a year than he is to destroy your soul in a day. Now, my fear, my honest fear, is that for many of us, we would drift. And it, would, it wouldn't be a catastrophic event. It would just be this gradual, slow process of disconnecting from God. Now, here's the beauty of the gospel. Here's the beauty of a relationship with God. It's all about the fact that you and I can have connection with God. A lot of times people, particularly earlier in your faith journey, what you focus on is that if you go to God, he will forgive you of your sins. He'll forgive you from all the things that you did wrong. And yes, that is a part of it. 
But a much bigger part than just receiving forgiveness is that forgiveness is just necessary so that we can get God. Our sins are an obstacle that are removed on the cross. And the end goal of the gospel is not just forgiveness, is that you and I have connection, deep abiding connection with God. And my fear is that as we are apart from each other, we would also drift away from God. So today, I don't necessarily want to preach a sermon to you as much as I want to give us some instructions from a, a, a parable or from a story in scripture, an account in scripture of something that happened to a man named Peter who fell away. He did some things wrong. He did some things right. And he also encountered the mercy and the grace of Jesus. So no matter where you are, uh, I hope this serves either as a warning or uh, a call to you to, to come back and to be a little bit more intentional or a lot more intentional about your faith, even as we are separated from each other physically. Uh, so this, the, the story starts in Matthew 26. And uh, here's how it starts. It says, then Jesus said to them, tonight, all of you will fall away because of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter, this is what we're talking about today. Peter told him, even if everyone falls away because of you, I will never fall away. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to him, tonight before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Even if I have to die with you, Peter told him, I will never deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Now look at verse 35 again. Peter is bold and he's saying verbatim, Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I'm never going to deny you. And then he did. Now, the first thing that Peter did that led to his failure and something that will serve as a warning to us is I don't want us to overestimate our strengths. Now, overestimating our strengths is a major reason for failure, and it makes us lax and not take our walk with God uh, as seriously as we could because we just think that we're too strong for something bad to happen to us. That might be a sermon that someone else needed to hear, but it's not something for us because we, we think that we are too strong. Now, a lot of people flunk out of school because they overestimated their strength. A lot of people have ruined businesses and marriages because they have overestimated their strength. Now, we overestimate our strength when we think that what happened to someone else could never happen to me. And in moments, we get lax about what scripture commands us to do. So the first warning I want us to take from Peter is that we should never overestimate um, our strength. And here's one of the biggest reasons why we should never overestimate our strength. We should never overestimate our strength because the things that can really derail us and make us drift away, they're not apparent to us in the moment. Now, there's a scripture in Genesis where at all the way at the beginning of the Bible, where God is talking to a man named Cain. And as God is talking to Cain, if you heard the story before, it's the, the first murder in the Bible. Cain is famous for killing his brother uh, Abel in scripture. But before he does this, God comes to Cain with a warning. And here's his warning to Cain. And it's also a warning to us. Here's what it says in Genesis 4 and 7. It says, sin is crouching. Sin is bending down. In other words, sin looks a whole lot smaller than what it really is. Sin and its effects and its power in our life, it looks smaller than what it really is. And we don't find out the full price tag until after. When I was in college, um, probably the first semester, as soon as I turned 18, I would see these people walking around campus with these basketball hoops 
And all you had to do to get one of these amazing hoops was fill out an application for a credit card. So I wanted to get this hoop so I could be in my room, Kobe-ing it up and uh, playing basketball and having a good time. So without reading any of the fine print, I signed up for the credit card. Now, what they hid about this credit card that I was signing up for was a 20% compounding interest rate and I'd be paying back thousands and thousands of dollars more than what I received. Now, if the woman who was handing out these hoops had, had also a sign that said, if you sign up for this credit card, you get $500 to make purchases, but you're gonna end up paying $3,000 for those things and your credit score is gonna be in the 400s. I would have never done that and neither would you. But why do we get caught in these traps? We get caught in these things because sin always hides the price tag. And one of the reasons we should never overestimate our strength is because sin is crouching. The things that we don't take seriously that don't appear to be significant, they appear smaller than what they are, but you will not find out the full effect of your decisions now until sometimes it's too late. So please take this as a warning. The things that the Bible commands, prayer, uh, reading scripture, being intentional about how you engage in Christian community, whether it's in person or online, reaching out to other people in your community, these are not things that you can just take or leave however you feel in the moment. So please don't overestimate your strength. Second thing we see in the scripture is uh, from Peter is that sometimes in moments of pressure and moments of anger and frustration and moments of fear, we can distance ourselves from Jesus. But we're setting ourselves up for failure when we distance ourselves from, from Jesus. Now look back to the text in Matthew 26, and here's what it says next, starting in verse 58. It says, Peter was following him at a distance, right to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and was sitting with the servants to see the outcome. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl approached him and said, you, you were with Jesus, the Galilean too, but he denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another woman saw him and told, him, told those who were there, this man was with Jesus, the Nazarene, and he denied it with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there approached and said to Peter, you are really one of them since your accent gives you away. Then he started to curse and to swear with an oath I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed and Peter remembered the words that had been spoken before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Now here in the text, for a number of reasons, what do we see starting off in verse 58? We see that Peter started to distance himself from Jesus. There's a number of reasons that Peter did that. Number one, I think he feared the disapproval of other people, of his association with Jesus. Um, also, he feared the consequences of what it would mean if he actually stayed close to Jesus. And number three, and this is where I'm at uh, many days and I have been at many days since this pandemic began. I was trying to figure out, and Peter was trying to figure out if it was worth it to follow Jesus at this point in his life. So he stayed back and he played it safe. So, you know, I want, to be a, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I just don't want to get too close to him. I don't want to be radical. I don't want to be a nutcase. I don't want to just blindly accept everything that Jesus tells me to do. So I'm going to keep a little bit of distance and see whether or not 
it is worth it for me to follow him in this moment. And what I want us to glean from this passage of scripture is that that is always a setup for failure. That failure is very close once we start to distance ourselves from Jesus. Again, Jesus calls us sheep and himself our shepherd and sheep do not survive well without our shepherd. We can't have our foot in both worlds. That is a setup for failure in life. Now, personally, uh, what this has done to me and how I've seen this play out in my own life is during this gospel and race uh, workshop, Dr. Serena Lyons asked me a question in our, in our call getting ready for the workshop. And it stuck with me for weeks and she repeated it on, um, on the call that night. She asked, has it been inconvenient for you to follow Jesus during this time of heightened awareness of racism in America? Like, how has it felt following Jesus at a time where it might feel inconvenient? That I would rather just take things into my own hands and do things my way in opposition to whatever Jesus calls me to do. So I am tempted in those moments, and I certainly was tempted in those moments to follow Jesus at a distance. One way that it played out for me was in my anger. Now, anger is a good, godly thing in some cases. Anger is how good people respond to evil and to wrongdoing. But anger can be constructive or anger can be destructive. Constructive anger wants to fix things that are wrong. Destructive anger wants to see the destruction of people. And that's where I was headed on the speeding train. Now, in these moments, I wanted to distance myself from Jesus and say, Jesus, you've taken me this far in life, but you know what? It's, I'm gonna hop in the driver's seat right now and do things my way. And I think in moments of pain, anxiety, frustration, and confusion, we are tempted to distance ourselves from whatever Jesus calls us to do and to do things our way. And that is always a setup for failure. Whenever we think that fully following Jesus, wherever he takes us, whenever we think that it's not worth it, to stay close to Jesus. Now, I think the number one indicator that there is a distance growing uh, in your relationship to Jesus is in your private prayer life. The less that you and I go before God in humble, dependent prayer, the less we are actually clinging to him. So whether it is because we overestimate our strength or whether it is that we're trying to distance ourselves from, from him, these are setups for failure. And we see where this took Peter Peter had the greatest failure of his life. Now, there's a lot of more reasons why we can drift and we can fall away. One of these reasons is sometimes we could just become calloused by the decisions that we make. Um, and we could spend all day talking about that. But I actually also want to talk about what Peter did right, because the story of a follower of Jesus is never over after our failures. Let me say that again. The story of what it means to follow Jesus does not end after our failures. So what do we see Peter do in this text to regain right standing with God? And what does God do in his life that I want us to glean from? The number one thing that Peter did is he grieved. He did not minimize his failures. He didn't brush it aside. He didn't try to justify it. He didn't try to say it's not that serious. He didn't blame someone else for it. He didn't downplay it. And here's what it says in the text in verse 75. It says, and Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And here's what Peter did. He went outside and he wept bitterly. Now, this is a picture of someone who is grieving their actions. One of the telltale signs that the Holy Spirit, 
God in the, God in the, God's spirit is alive in you is that he will grieve you when you are wrong. He will grieve you when you have stepped outside the bounds of God's will in your life. And one of the telltale signs that you have left God completely and that you are calloused is when stuff doesn't even bother you anymore. You can just go a long time without even being bothered. Now, here's a story about Peter that's so wild to me. He had followed Jesus for years. He had watched Jesus heal people. He had watched Jesus teach these beautiful sermons, uh, heal dozens and dozens of people. And the time when it was, uh, when, when, the, when the time came for Peter to stand up for Jesus, he failed him. Now, personally, I know what it means, and I felt the, the grief of my failures before, and that is an amazing first step. One of the shallow parts of American Christianity is we just don't have a category for grief. We don't want to feel bad ever, and we'll rush to whatever will make us feel better the quickest so we don't have to sit in the feelings, the negative emotions of what has happened in our life. And here's the truth. To get past something, you have to go through it. And that's true in so many areas, but it's certainly true in our relationship with God. When we notice ourselves drifting away, you can't go around your failures. You can't go over your failures. You can't go under them. We have to move through it. We have to allow ourselves to feel these emotions and to grieve it. Now, a lot of times we push them aside because we don't understand the value of what it means to, to feel these things negatively and what grief does to our souls, what grief does to our hearts, what grief does to us spiritually to free us and to grow us. That there are some things about our walk with God that we will never mature until we allow ourselves to grieve these things. And this is what Peter does. He's disappointed in himself for sure. And he feels it. He feels the negative emotions and he doesn't downplay it. A number of years ago, um, we did a sermon series on the book of James. And James is a really practical book in the Bible that talks all about these really practical topics. And one of the sermons we talked about came from James 3 and the power of our words. And one of the scriptures in James actually tells us that our tongues are like a spark and they can light a whole forest on fire. And there's so much calamity that can come just from careless or untrue words that we say. And I remember speaking to someone from Renaissance after the sermon, and they were convicted in that moment and said, man, I've said some really bad things about people to other people, and I just feel really bad. What should I do? I said, this is what you should do. You should go to the person who you lied on, and you should tell them what you did. And they were looking at me like I had three heads growing out of my neck. Like, why would I do that? And I was, and they, because it would just be such a miserable experience to have to confess to someone what you have done. And that's the point. Part of what God wants to do and nurture in our lives is to develop a distaste for the things that took us off track. And part of the maturity that God wants to develop in us only comes through grief. If that person would have allowed themselves to go through this grieving process of feeling all of these negative emotions associated with their sin, then they will be much less likely to repeat that thing ever again. And if we don't give ourselves permission to feel the negative emotions, to sit there, to name what we did, how we went astray, and to come to God and to bring those things in front of God, we might not grow from those things. So number one, you have to grieve it. You have to allow yourself to feel the discomfort of where we are going wrong and allow God into that space to bring us back to him. The second thing Peter did right, in addition to grieving it, was 
he remained with other followers of Jesus even after his failures. Now, I can't tell you what the road back is exactly, particularly if you're noticing that you are drifting away. But I can tell you the road back 100% is not you by yourself trying to figure it out alone. Now, obviously, this is complicated because of this pandemic, but you and I need to remain as diligently as possible and as intentionally as possible. We need to remain connected to other people who are following Jesus and who are attempting to follow Jesus. And here's what Peter does, and it says this in John 21. Simon Peter called twin, uh, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two other of his other disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you, they told him. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, what does Peter do? After his pretty massive failure of denying Jesus, he still remained connected to other disciples and putting yourself in the community, regardless of how good you've been doing recently, is one of the most important things you can do because sometimes what you need, you're going to get that from other people. There have been times in my life where I did not have it in me to move forward. There have been times in my life where I didn't even really care. I was developing an apathy in my relationship to God. And what I needed was I needed to be lit on fire by other people to inspire me, to move me forward. And sometimes God's best work is done through other people. Now, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So again, you have to be creative. But don't let the fact that we are in this pandemic, give you a free pass to not reach out to people. And again, this is not wait for them to reach out to you. This is you reach out to them to set up a Zoom, to go to do uh, outside, wear a mask, and we'll all get up together and stay socially distant to make sure that you are staying connected to other people who are following Jesus. Some of the, the greatest moments of my life of coming back in being inspired to follow Jesus and coming back into a meaningful relationship with Jesus did not come in a private closet where I read something amazing. It came because of other people. I'll never forget years ago being in a small group and just feeling like blah, like I didn't care. And I was starting to really just develop an apathy in my walk with God. And that night in the small group, someone prayed for me and it really was a turning point in, in my walk with God. I, I felt alive that night. And had I stayed in my apartment and not done anything, who knows what would have happened to me? Who knows how long I would have been drifting away? And here's what I want us to get. Sometimes what God wants to do in you and through you will, will happen through other people. So do not let this pandemic serve as an excuse to not reach out to people or to not be intentional about remaining connected to other people who are a part of our faith family. So number one, Peter grieved. Number two, he remained connected to other people who were following Jesus. And number three, the third thing we can learn from Peter, and this is something we all need every single day, is Peter received God's mercy. Peter received God's mercy. What is, what is mercy? Mercy is defined as compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone with whom one's power is to punish or to harm. So Jesus could have dismissed Peter. Jesus could have thrown Peter away for his failures. But what do we see about Jesus? What do we see about the nature and the character of Jesus in the story of Peter that I want to be true for you? Is that Jesus welcomes and Jesus pursues failures. Jesus goes after 
the runaway, and the drifting sheep. That parable of Jesus leaving the 99 sheep and going after the one is so powerful because the one that went away either ran away intentionally or just drifted away because it wasn't paying attention. And instead of dismissing that sheep as one who was disobedient or not paying attention, Jesus in his love and his grace and his mercy, he pursues the wandering sheep. And in the story, Peter was the wandering sheep and he comes to Peter and he says to him, Simon, Peter, son of John, do you love me? A lot of times when I think about the scripture, I think that when Jesus would come to me, the first thing that he would tell me is not a reminder of my failure, but trying to rekindle the love that I have for him and reminding me of his love for me. So Jesus would come to me in my failure and say, Jordan, son of Gail and Roger, do you love me? Now, it is in these moments where we see the heart of Jesus so clearly that what Peter deserved was to be punished, to be kicked aside, but instead Jesus personally goes after Peter to restore him. So here's what I want for you, no matter where you're at. If you feel like you have been drifting away, if you feel like you have been apathetic, or if you have been overestimating your strength and feel like this would never happen to you, whether it's the warning or the comfort, I want us to know that Jesus is a type of God that one, warns us against the dangers of drifting, but also welcomes us back in fully and completely without reservation. This same Peter that denied Jesus would 50 days later preach the best sermon that has ever been preached in the entirety of the church. 3,000 people would become followers of Jesus that day based on the sermon of a previous failure. God has not discarded you. God has not written you off. God welcomes you into his life. In the same way Peter received mercy, we can also receive mercy. Let me pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray that your words in scripture that show the drifting and the falling away of Peter would serve to us as a warning and also that your grace and your mercy to receive us back would serve as an encouragement. So Lord, wherever we are on this spectrum, whether we're holding tight or whether we feel like our grip is loosening, Lord, help us to today make a decision to go to you, trusting and knowing that you invite us and you pursue us. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.